0: Good morning, everyone. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord here today.
1: Jesus in the dark in the depths you're my hope you're my rest on this rock I stand I will sing Jesus just be still on oh my soul I will wait on the Lord he has overcome I will sing Jesus
0: next song this is a song i heard a couple of weeks ago and it, it hit me today we're, um, we're doing our series on um finding peace of mind and um and this song just hit me and i wanted to do it this day it's called made for more
1: and um
0: we regardless of what you're going through just know that god made you for more
1: I know who I am, because I know who you are. The cross of salvation was only the star. Now I am chosen, free and forgiven. I have a future, and it's worth the living. As I wasn't made to be, tending the grave, I was called by name, born and raised back to life. why would I make a bed in my shame where the fountain of grace is running my way I know I am yours I was made for more I know who I am cause I know who you are the cross of salvation If again I was made for more so why would I make a bed in my shame when the fountain of grace is running my way I know I am To be tending the grave I was called by name Born and raised back to life again I was made for more So why would I make a bed in my shame when a fountain of grace is running my way I know I am I was made for more. Father, we just praise
0: you and we thank you that even though life is hard and though there's times today we're going to talk about trauma, and God, even though that um, trauma just hits us all in, in many ways and just changes life in so many powerful ways, we were made for more than to be controlled by it. So, God, we commit the rest of the service and all this day to you. May your Holy Spirit just fall mightily here today. I thank you for everyone here, those who are watching online. I thank you that for the, just the ministry that you're doing for your kingdom. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, our kids can head to our Haven Kids, and you can tell somebody you were made for more.
2: I don't even have to say it twice anymore, do I? It's all good. We're full of love. Yes. Thank you, Patty. We know Patty's full of love. Now I could use another word and I might hear some other comments, but no, we're not going there. Okay. I am just excited as a bubble. Uh, yesterday, as you can see on this side, we have all these beautifully wrapped gifts for our nursing home staff. We actually have 16 facilities that are gonna receive these goodies. 462 staff are gonna get a little loving from Haven Community Church. <laughs> and you know how I am. Everybody that was here yesterday, stand up and sit down, okay, quick. Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, okay. That wasn't all of you, and cause there was 15 of us here and I really drove them. I am not a good supervisor. I've been retired for four years, and I found myself yelling, <laughs> "No, no more candy in that bag!" Poor Holly must have had to. Put, oh no, Holly didn't put it back. Uh, Tammy's daughter, Jaden, had to put it back. She says, "You're counting?" I said, "Yes." And Miss Dot, I was watching you the whole time. I know you're here today. I saw you. Anyway. Thank you. That is a praise. That is touching the community. And that is 462 people going to open a bag and say, who's this? And be happy. Be happy. I'm really excited. Also, in 11 days, Jennifer, 21 folks are going away to the breakaway in Ocean City, right? Ocean City. That is one of the most amazing teen events that anybody can ever attend. So if you have a teen in your life, get them hooked up, get them hooked up to that event. A um, Lot of God there, a lot of God and a lot of movement. So it's amazing. And you chaperones, thank you in advance. I've seen pictures, thank you in advance. Um, we got a lot to pray for today. Dale, I'm happy to see you here today. Dale has had his second back surgery He's still a little numb in one leg, so he can't kick me yet. So I'm hoping he'll be kicking me next week. Okay, it's all good. Um, Liz, our friend Liz, is in the hospital. She's been there for over a week. Uh, They are still doing tests. So I want you all to lift Miss Liz. Um, She was a pillar in this church forever. And once COVID hit, she really had to kind of stay home because of her cancer. So keep Liz in your hearts. Okay? she said to please, please pray for her. Jenny, healing prayers. I know you're out there, Jenny. Um, Bobby Burke, she's healing and really had a rough week, so we hope she's back in action. Um, Judy, music lost one of her loved ones this week. Her, her, cousin. her cousin. So she's o- on her way to Virginia, I'm or in Virginia. they're in Virginia. So traveling mercies for her and Melissa, right? And and, and Miguel. Okay. Um, Jennifer Wilcox, now you know we've been praying for her dad for a while, he's been in ICU. Unfortunately, he passed away this week and today is um, his funeral services and we're gonna give that family traveling mercies because it's far away. Where is it, Virginia? Okay. Um, Ryan, Laura's grandson, had a surgery, went well. He's doing good and we're really blessed with that. Patty has asked me to pray for her friend Tommy, who is in a burn unit at Crozier, and it's very, very serious, so let's keep him lifted in our prayers, and um, I just want to praise God for the people in this community that uh, we were able to have a fundraiser yesterday for Gail and Rich's son, Kurt, Um, and I don't know what it raised, but I feel certain that it it raised a lot of money to help him and his family. So thank you to all of you that could be there. Um, and just to watch the community come together. And it's a really small world because I walked in and my boss was taking tickets. She goes, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be at work. I said, no, I got two hours. <laughs> and believe me, she was watching what I was drinking and it was Coke. A <laughs> uh, cola. So it's all go- I'm sorry, that's all good. <laughs> I had to make sure you got that. All right, put our hands on our knees. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, there's so many of us here today that we just need some healing. Touch our lives, touch our backs, touch our places where we're going to have surgery or that we've had surgery. Keep with us as we walk forward to you and we look forward to you every day. Be with those who have some broken hearts today for whatever reason, relationships, death in the family, loss of a loved one, Be with those. Be with those and fill their hearts. Lord, we always ask you for your joy to keep us faithful and to look to you when we're in need. Every day, we need to look to you. Keep us walking that path. Keep our hands and our feet as servants unto you. And be with Pastor Jack as he goes through a really important topic today about trauma. Because believe it or not, it affects and hits every one of us in some way. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen.
3: Bipolar disorder,
0: depression, anxiety, ADD or ADHD. We cannot avoid the topic of mental illness. What does this mean for those of us Who are born-again blood-washed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and yet live in this
3: real world where people have real problems and real difficulties you have to face it somewhere so even if you want to avoid the subject here you have to ask the question what are we as Christians supposed to do
0: Can you hear me okay? Can, can you hear me? There we go, all right. Um, so a couple things. Um, there w- uh, was another prayer request handed in. Um, Robin Hildebrand asked us to pray for Joanne Penna, who is going on a short mission trip to, um, is that Peru? Okay. And Debbie Smith um, has kidney stone issues, so we wanna pray for her as well and add that to the prayer list. Um, also, um, just uh, you saw a lot of the announcements up there, a lot of things going on. Um, and one of the things that we we look at is that um, that uh, grief share is going on, and um, and so you can join where when you know, like right away if you want to. It doesn't matter if you miss some of the other ones. Grief share is there because you know in case you don't know, grief just hits when it wants to, and so you're you can connect with that. And they meet tomorrow night. Tuesday we have ongoing Disciple Bible Study, which has been really good. We're in the Gospel of John, getting close to the end of the Gospel of John. I'm going to pick up some other, the letters and, and Revelation. And so, um, and then I know men and women's groups are meeting um, different times in the Wednesdays. Group. There's a lot of stuff you want to connect to. So I challenge you to go ahead um, behind you. If you're not in the first row, on the seat in front of you, there's somewhere, there's a QR code. We'd love for you to go ahead and connect that. That's the church app and you can find out everything. And you don't have to ask, you don't have to ask me. And it's probably good because I don't know what's going going on most of the time, but that's a good thing. That means the body's working, right? Um, and so we, we want to have that. Also, today after church, and even if it's your first Sunday here and you just want to find out, we have our, um, our class, our growth pathway, and that we're doing the first class, Haven 101. We go over a little bit of what um, how the church came about and, um, and what uh, what we stand for and what we do. And yet you can some people do it to become members, others just want to find out. Feel free to stay after, right afterwards, we are, we are really to a time, it'll, everything will be over by an hour, so we'd love for you to just stay right here in the sanctuary, we have little booklets that we'll hand out, and, um, and we'll go through that, and it'll just be a good time, okay? Everybody ready to go? Okay, so we are in, believe it or not, um, our, I think our sixth week, and um, we have been doing this series called Finding Peace of Mind. Anybody found it yet? Okay, we're working on it, correct? But we're really talking about mental health. Now, next week will be the last week um, uh, of our series, and it'll be on burnout, okay, on burnout. So we, we figured we, um, we'd end with that because many of us feel like you're on the edge of life. You're just about ready to explode and just whatever else you do. So um, next week, we're going to talk about that. Today, we are going to talk about trauma. Um, we're going to talk about trauma. And, um, and this is probably one of the most difficult subjects um, that we've talked about in previous or up-and-coming weeks. And um, it's a subject that, honestly, the church has not been very good about talking about, and um, along with many of the others, but really, really uh, trauma. It's not frequently talked about. But today we're going to talk about it, okay, because I really believe it needs to. There's an, uh, an interesting quote from a, an American psychologist named Robert—I mean, excuse me—Peter Eleven, and he says this: Trauma is a fact of life. It does not, however, need to be a life sentence. And I think it's extremely important because um, we all experience trauma in some way. And Many, probably the majority of us at least, have experienced or endured something that was severe, that brought about some level of trauma, some kind of trial that you went through, some kind of abuse, some kind of heartbreak, some kind of loss, um, some kind of situation, could have been a natural disaster, could have been, um, you know, you were in a, in a war torn area, whatever it may be. And so what we're going to do, with God's help and studying His Word, and also talking with um, counselors and professional therapists who do this for a living. Um, and many who do have a, a biblical worldview, which I really wanted to get, um, I've been praying that this message today and the presence of God will do some healing or begin that process in many of the lives of us who have dealt with or still deal with trauma. And so the, I'm going to start today by asking you, what do you think of trauma? What is it? What is trauma? And a lot of people um, think that trauma is the event, like the event itself or the injury or it's the abuse. And technically speaking, trauma is the response to what happens in that event, that abuse or or that injury. Um, a good definition would be this one right here. Trauma is a response to a deeply disturbing or distressing event. So that's what trauma is. A trauma is a response to a deeply disturbing or distressing event. So some of it can think of a physical trauma where um, it's a traumatic injury, where somebody may have lost a limb or or had some um, physical uh physical pain or something that affected them. Um, But the truth is, it can be physical, but often some of the most debilitating trauma tends to be emotional, mental, and even spiritual. And and many people have been part of churches and religious organizations which have brought about trauma from spiritual abuse. There have been churches. Let's not, let's not say that the abuse is all out there. We've got to be really honest and open and say that some of the trauma, many have experienced trauma from within churches and within other kinds of things, um, organizations as well. So that's why it's important to remember um, so it's really important to remember this, that wounds, this number two, wounds that you can't see can hurt as much if not more than the ones that you do see. Amen. And uh, often we we pay more attention to a a physical ailment than we do about something that 's internal that 's mental or emotional or spiritual so it 's with that real awareness today that um, I know that many in this room and many in the sound of my voice have been hurt, have been deeply wounded, and have been through horrible experiences and so And I'm telling you, I am not minimizing that at all in this whole thing. But what I want to do is I want to share God's Word today because the Lord knows that we go through these things, but He loves us so much He doesn't want us to live in a life sentence to trauma in our lives. And so it's inevitable that when what happens at times, that there may be some people who have gone into a church or gone into a small group at some time, and they begin to get comfortable to a point that they begin to share some things that they're feeling or some things that they're going through. And inevitably, at some point in this time, um, some very happy, feely, good Christian, maybe even with very good intentions, decides to, in the middle of your pain, put this quote up there. Ready? Here we go from Romans. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Now, this is very powerful, and this is life changing, and it's an important truth, and it's always true. But when you're going through it, it doesn't feel like it's good. It doesn't feel like many times God is even around as we're going through the effects of an event or that has caused us trauma. And a lot of times we don't feel it because we may be in shock, we may be in denial, we may be angry, we may be frustrated, um, and, and any other kind of feeling because of what happened. And we often don't know what to do with our emotions and everything, and we're overwhelmed maybe with anxiety, or we just end up feeling numb to the experience that caused the trauma. And even, or, or even though uh, what happened to you may not be your fault, and in many cases, it's not your fault at all. Often what I see that happens with many who deal with trauma, they end, we end up feeling shame and guilt for something that someone else did to you. And you start to take that on. And sadly, in many situations, those who are supposed to be helping increase areas of, of feeling um, guilty, and other, other kinds of ways. So today, the title of the message is called Traumatic Healing. So I want to open with prayer, if, you, if you'll join me real quick and bow your heads. So Father God, we do thank you. We thank you for your presence and for your goodness and for your healing work that we can find through Jesus Christ. As the scripture tells us, by his wounds we are healed. And we pray that through the work of your word and by your spirit, you will transform our lives and transform our minds that, God, many of us have been affected by an event and trauma has been into our lives and we've been heading down this trauma neural pathway for far too long. And so what we ask is that, God, you will uh, help us transform our mind so that we can have the fullness of life that you promised. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody says, amen. amen. All right. I'm not proud to tell you this, but I'm old enough to have grown up in a generation where if somebody came to somebody and said, I'm experiencing trauma, the response would have been, trauma shmama, suck it up. Anybody else with me? Um, and um, it can't be that bad, just rub, you know, rub some dirt on it, right? That was kind of like, like the thing. And you were just told to suck it up and deal with it. And, um, and it was just kind of like a get over it kind of mindset, there's other things to get done. And what I want to tell you is this, is if you don't hear anything else, uh, the rest, if you're shutting down on everything else, let me tell you one thing. You do not get over trauma. No. You don't get over it. It's yes. not something you get over. Many people who go through trauma say, I just won't talk about it. I won't say anything, and, and it'll go away. It doesn't. It stays. You, you don't get over trauma, but you You actually have to heal from it you can 't move past it you have to heal from it and so my plan today I told you I want to give you the plan my plan today is to build a foundational understanding of what trauma is and then I want to show you how in in the Word of God in the scripture, how we can pursue his healing and seek what only God can do in our lives. Now, to do that, i want to start with the first part. There are three types of, three main types or books of, of trauma, and they're this there's acute trauma, there is chronic trauma, and there is complex. So, acute, chronic trauma, and then also complex trauma. And so, we're going to go through each of those. So, acute trauma what is acute trauma? It's not a trauma that's, oh, isn't that cute? No, that's not it. It's a, it's a response to a one-time traumatic event. So that one-time traumatic event um, occurred. So, for instance, you may have been in a horrible accident. Anybody in a really bad accident at some point in your life? And if you hear wheels, screech, or you may not even get into a car, for a while because of that. And so this is acute trauma. Some people have experienced a natural disaster. Um, If you're in the Midwest, what natural disaster do you have? A tornado. Dorothy, right? Okay. Um, So you might have the tornado. If you're down in southern Florida, what is it? Hurricane. I remember someone sharing a uh, a story with me about how um, a hurricane came through and their stepsister, your young stepsister, was in the house and a board came through the window, struck her, and killed her and they had to stay there for days with her dying. In Haiti, we talked about when they had the earthquakes and one of our guides told us that the earthquake crumbled part of their house and his brother was killed and they were trapped in that house for several days. That, create, that can create some trauma, that one-time event. Or um, maybe you were at the Pentagon, or you were in the World Trade Center in 9-11, or even in New York, and that put, something to, uh, put trauma in your life. Or maybe you went through a, a complicated birth situation, or you might have lost your job, or because of COVID, your business faded away, um, or... Unfortunately for others um, that are in college, often college age, you may have been date raped or abused physically, sexually, or mentally at one point, one time in your life. Regardless of what it is specifically, it was horrible, it was dangerous, and you survived it, but the response to that one-time event created acute trauma in your life. And so that's the first one. The second one is chronic trauma. And so what is chronic trauma? Chronic is a a long-term trauma response from a pro- prolonged or repeated events. It's not just a one-time event, but it's long-term. And so you may have been bullied throughout elementary school and middle school, or you may have experienced racism or sexism for most of your life, or you were raised in a house, um, in a home with a, a, a violent alcoholic or where drug, bu- drug abuse controlled the environment of the home. And you lived in that environment, and you never felt safe because of what was going on. And, and even in your own home, you're kind of stay awake because you're, you're afraid of that, of that situation. Or you were sexually, physically, and mentally abused not one time, but repeated and numerous times. And horrifically, often that occurs by someone who was supposed to have protected you, but instead they end up harming you. And so that's created a chronic abuse in your life. Again... Horrific, horrible, dangerous, repeated, you survived, but the response to these has been traumatic, and that is ongoing to many events, and that is chronic trauma. The third one, what is complex trauma? It is a response to multiple and ongoing events. So for instance, um, if you're raised in a home or you're married to someone, that you see a combination of all these things we talked about, that there may have been chemical abuse or there may be emotional abuse, there may be spiritual abuse, and there may be physical abuse, there may be sexual abuse, or, or maybe there's even neglect. The, the numbers of, um, of children in our world who are, who are neglected and not fed and not um, taken care of is astronomical. Or just acts of omission where there's a failure to even provide the basics of food, shelter, and clothing. Or to be ignored in isolation. Um, there was a story of Jeannie back in, um, some of you might have known this. It was back in California. And her father locked her in a room and kept her in a box for, for the first 12 years of her life. And it's, it's, it's one of the most horrific um, situations in life. And so... Or, or, what other people do is a refusal of access to visitors or anyone else. And so the list could go on and on and on. But no matter what you've been through or at what level, trauma changes you. And it changes your perspective, it can change how you see. Uh, people, it can change how you see God, it can see, change your whole outlook on life and many many times what we do when we go through may, whether it 's one it 's one of those three areas where, um, of trauma that often when, when it happens young, many of us put these safeguards or these coping mechanisms in our life from a very young age. Like I went through an experience of, of that created trauma when I was about four years old, and I didn't really know that it created trauma, but it changed how I process things in life in many ways. And I went through that my entire life and instead of unpacking that and really was able to begin to start to unpack some of those things and say, that's why I feel that way. That's why I do those things. And it's a process of healing. And so one of the things is when we talk about trauma, one of the things we need to know is we don't compare trauma. It's not like when we have like a scar and look at my scar. Oh well look at my scar. No, it, we don't compare trauma. We have trauma. We just need to go to God for some of that healing in this in this whole process. And so that's what we're gonna be. So your trauma someone hurt you and you don't you don't trust people or It might be that you find it difficult to trust God because you cried out to him while you were being abused and he didn't seem like he was anywhere. It might be that you grew up with no money and so you have a really dysfunctional view and a fear of not having enough money no matter what. Or it might be that someone did something to you and you're traumatized that worrying that that same thing will happen either again to you or worse you try to protect your children because you don't want them to have that that situation. And so you're constantly, constantly in a state of, of trauma because of it. So how can we possibly heal from trauma. And so we're going to look at God's Word today, and we're actually going to look at someone that you probably would not, when we look at Scripture, when we look at stained glasses, probably someone that you would not think that is that dealt with trauma. And I have been through seminary, and I, I have a, a master's of divinity. I know you're all impressed by that. Um, and I studied the Scripture for years, and it wasn't until I really dug into the series and into this person for the series that I realized probably the person in all of Scripture that dealt with the most amount of traumatic situations was a guy named the Apostle Paul. And you wouldn't think that from the person who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the guy who said to live for Christ and to die is gain, or the one who who said all these great things, but he dealt with acute trauma, chronic trauma, and complex trauma, and it's all throughout the Scriptures. And so I, I read an article by WordPress, and it said this, thinking that the Apostle Paul suffered from PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder-like um, like conditions is a safe conclusion when you consider all that he faced. And so many of us don't think about these. We think of them as, as real super Christians that are in stained glass, and they didn't have anything bother them. But when we look at this, We'll see. And I want to to show you, I want you to see it, I want you to watch also how in the midst of that God brought incredible healing and through that God brought the Apostle Paul to a stronger place. And Based on what he'd been through. So let's look at Paul and trauma. Let's go all the way back to, uh, to Paul's conversion. At the time, his name was Saul. And um, he was not a Christian. He was actually the guy who was going and killing Christians. And he made it his his mission. And his conversion um, to the Lord was really traumatic. Like mine was like a hallmark or a, a life movie, right? You know, I knelt at the altar at age five in Christ Church in Petersburg. The sun was gleaming through the stained glass window upon me. Um, There was like a choir singing and birds were chirping and doves flew in the room. And the background there was probably a Chris Tomlin song singing, Good, Good Father. And and all creation stood up and praised the Lord in the midst of that. No, that's not how it happened. But it was pretty easy. I knelt at an altar, said said a prayer, and everybody was hugging me and crying and then that started it and it was like, ooh, this is cool, right? And God began something. That was my conversion experience. The Apostle Paul's was a little bit different. And let's look at this. So he was killing Christians, and in Acts chapter 9, you can read this. And all of a sudden, he's on his way to go to Damascus to go ahead and collect up some Christians to kill them. And he's minding his own business, going down. And then we read from the scripture, a light came from heaven and knocked him to the ground. And we just say, a light came from heaven and knocked him to the ground. But I started thinking about this. I don't know for sure what the light is that knocked him to the ground. But when I think about a, a science class and other classes in school, a light that will knock you to the ground is probably lightning. He's minding his own business, and all of a sudden, he gets struck by lightning. Okay, that's a bad day. Um, and uh, then, not only that, a voice from heaven says, Hello, my servant Paul, it is you I have chosen. No, it didn't say that. He said, he strikes him with lightning and says, Why are you messing with me? Why are you persecuting me? Okay, so he is doing what he thinks right. He's riding along. Zap! He's laying on the ground. Why are you messing with me, boy? Not a good conversion experience so far, does it sound like. But it continues on. So God knocks him to the ground, gives him an in-your-face deal. Then he says, hey, you're blind now for three days, but he didn't know it was three days. You talk about a bad trip. You're talking about going somewhere and saying, I should have stayed home. Here he is. He's he's going along and then God does not say, don't worry, three days I'm sending this really cool guy Ananias, He's a little nervous, but he's a good dude. He's going to come lay hands on you. You're going to be like Boom, there you go. And then you're going to be this great preacher. No, he did not say that. Paul was just blinded. So on the road, struck by lightning, everybody with me, and he's going along has this voice of God, God Jesus in his face saying, stop messing with me. And then he goes back. He's having people lead him for the first time. He's there and he, he stayed there. He'd been blinded. And then he's healed by God through Ananias. And then what's really cool is this killer, uh, this, this Christian killer becomes a killer Christian. Did you like what I did there? That was very creative. Did you like that? Come on, I get some points for being creative there. All right. Whatever, okay. All right. But, but what I'm saying is he preached. You're going to use that sometime and claim it as your own. It's all yours, okay? But, but he, he went ahead from persecuting Christians to preaching the gospel and being one of the greatest preachers of all time. But his conversion experience is a little bit, like, traumatic. Don't you think? Don't you think, like, if he heard a rumble in the sky, he'd be like, uh, or the next time he was taking the road to Damascus, he's like, yeah, I'm going to stay. They probably said, Paul, can you walk over there? You know, um, who knows? But, it, it, and you know, here's the good news. The good news was that after all this, God rewarded Paul. He gave him a six-figure salary, gave him great benefits. He had health insurance. He had a good 401k, and he had the company donkey to take wherever he needed to go. And he had lots of ladies too. No, that didn't happen. Not at all. The rest of his life, he suffered more than he ever had. In his life, he endured all kinds of things and constantly was running for his life. And I want to show you a map up here um, of the uh, Apostle Paul here. All right, so these, these are his journeys. He made like three, four journeys, okay, because he went back to Rome too. But what I did is um, the, the ones that are highlighted in yellow, those are all the areas that we learned that Paul had to run out of town to save his life. And, you know, there's a book of Thessalonians. They were trying to kill him. Okay? Uh, Corinth. Anybody heard First and Second Corinthians? They were trying to kill him. All these places. He was Jerusalem trying to kill him. Damascus. Well, we know that. All right? And all these others. He was trying to be killed, and he eventually got killed in Rome. I could have put that one there so he didn't run out of there. But, you know, he's basically, hey, I went to preach the gospel, and every time I went, somebody was rude to me. I said something about God, and they wanted to kill me. I, now I've been places before where people have asked me to leave. Anybody, anybody? There's a restaurant one time. And, yeah, all right, but that's another story. See me later. All right. And um, uh, and so, so I've been asked to leave places one time, but I've never had anybody wanting to kill me to get out. You know. And th- this was his regular experience after serving God, and he exited city after city after city with people trying to take his life, and he endured. You can't imagine severe trauma. When he's going to the next city, he's like, God, I got my running sandals on today, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen, but it probably wasn't going to be good in many cases. So looking at the Apostle Paul, how do we heal from trauma? And three things in Scripture that we can do that we learn from God's Word with the Apostle Paul as we pursue this. So the first thing I want to, I'm going to go ahead and share with you this. We process the pain of our trauma. Now, side note is, so we process the pain of our trauma. Side note of this, in order to process the pain of our trauma, we have to acknowledge our trauma. And so many people don't even get to the point of acknowledging it. That we put it aside and we try to act like it never happened or we bury it. And and you don't heal when you ignore the wound. You don't heal when you suppress the wound. You don't heal when you try to forget the wound. You start to heal when you take it to God and professional counselors and others to start that process of healing. And some of, some of us, the first step that we need to do is just to acknowledge it. We need to go ahead and get to a point where we say, you know what? I was abused. There's some, now I will say on a side note, there's some in the world today that have a wrong definition of abuse. They think if someone disagrees with you, that means it's abuse. They think that if someone corrects you, that that's abuse, or if someone has something different of you, then you're abusing. That's not it. But if you have been through some type of abuse, that might be the first step to just say, you know what, I went through that situation. And, And acknowledge it. I was abused. I was raped. I was abandoned. I was mistreated. I was bullied. I was neglected because of serving my country, I have PTSD. And the reason why we don't want to say that we shut things down is because when we admit those things, we feel vulnerable again. We feel helpless, and we feel like it's better to ignore than to deal and process it. And so we believe wrongly that it'll just go away. But when that happens, according to many of the experts, instead of, and this is next explanation, instead of seeking connection, we begin to prioritize protection. That we got hurt so badly that we say, well, well, I've got the main thing is to protect myself. And so I'm going to protect myself by these certain coping mechanisms that we have. And, and so we lose connection often with people because we've been hurt so badly and we're carrying that around. So instead of taking our pain to trusted and professional people and others, we often just push those trusted people aside because we believe nobody can be trusted. And the problem is this. And doing that. We don't heal in isolation. How do we heal? We heal in community. We have to heal in community. That's what we were made for. We were made to heal in community. And we heal together with People and heal best with the people of God, I believe. And that's one of the reasons why we, we talk about small groups. It's not so that, you know, I've been to some churches and I've been to some areas where they just want to fill up small groups and say, we got 8 billion people. I don't even know how many we have. I don't really care. I just want people to group together because I believe healing comes in relationship. I believe um, and that, that, like we say on the back of our shirts, love God and love people. If we do those, then it's really awesome. I believe the church is really about relationship. And, you know, when you think of your families. You think of your families, those people who have, who have good relationships with your people in your family, you may not always get along with them. You may not always like them. They may not always like you. But the reason why you, you, you keep going in that family is because you put the relationship over your issues and over what you want. And if the church, just a side note, if the church grabbed hold of putting relationship over what we want and how we think God thinks, we might be getting somewhere. When we really love people, because we show the world how we love, and we show God how we love him by loving one another, okay? So that's just a side note. That was free today, okay? Um, So, but we need to to prioritize connection and heal in community, and so we talk about that. We don't want you in small groups because we know you got busy lives. That's not why we're saying do that. But we believe what the Scripture says, iron sharpens iron. We confess, we share, we bear with, and we pray for one another, and we're there. I mean, heck, Ron and Joanna got married because they joined small groups. So if you're looking for somebody, we can join a small group, correct? Okay. Ron, Ron look at that smile on Ron's face. He's never been happier, correct? All right. Good job, Ron. I'm, I'm helping you out, bud. Okay. Um, but, but it's the truth. It's the truth. And the challenge is when we ignore or if we ignore the pain, the wound still is there. And wounds never stay the same. They get worse. They get worse. And we can cover them up and hide them, but they still get worse. So what happens after we keep trying to cover it up? We try to cope with every other kind of thing. Some go to drugs and other kinds of things. Some um, will go ahead to some other kind of coping mechanism that they have. Um, and some may be like my coping mechanism, just to be so busy in life, work so much, so you don't have to think about it. But it's still there, still festering, still going. And, and Paul actually processed this trauma. And I'm going to show you a big portion of Scripture. Don't get too nervous because there's a lot, but I'm going to kind of zip through a lot of it. But he's writing about this, and he's telling what he's been through. And if you really want to look at Second um, Corinthians uh 12, I mean, 11 through 13, you can see a lot of this. But I'm going to just touch on, on some of the high points of this. And Paul's talking about, um, are they servants of Christ? And he said, and I'm kind of out of my mind for talking about this. So he's, I love that he says it because we all kind of look, Paul's saying out of his mind. I think what he's trying to say there is, is this is hard for me. When I talk about this, and, and he's being vulnerable here. He's writing a letter to the Corinthian church. Remember that town wanted to kill him, and he's writing a letter. And the Corinthian church had all kinds of issues, but he's being vulnerable and sharing this. And he says, um, he says this. You know, here was his coping method. He said, "I've worked more harder. I've I've, I've worked nonstop. That's one of his things. So he's just working, working, working. And then, what does he say, he said, "I've been in prison more frequently. He said, "I've been flogged more severely, and I've been exposed to death again and again." This is a great way to write a letter, you know. Um, And he says, five times I received from the Jews. What did he receive? Forty lashes minus one. And when you look at that, it's 39 lashes because that goes back to Deuteronomy, the Deuteronomy law in uh, Deuteronomy 25, which says that the judge must not impose more than 40 lashes because the guilty potter, if if he's flogged more than uh, 39 times, then it, it would be like you're humiliating him. I don't know about you, but by 12, I'm pretty humiliated. Um, maybe two, and i 'm screaming but um, but you, and the rabbis restricted that and said that if you did that then um, and, and somebody died, then you were, you were you were over the top with forty i don 't know why, but anyway um, and it, they didn 't do that to be merciful, but they were just afraid that because of the Deutero- the law in deuteronomy, if you hit them forty times and they died on the forty, then they have to deal with you. so they said just stick to thirty nine you know, um, he was he was beaten with rods three times. Okay, so beaten with rods three times. That's like a like a um, what was it like a uh, I'd say a, a broomstick beaten with uh, that three times. Ouch. Okay. Um, what else does he say? Um, he, he was pelted with stones. And that's what we talk about. He was stoned. And we got to say not recreationally because we live in that world right now. Um, some people say, well, at least he got some relief. No, that wasn't what it was about. But that's what happened. He was, he was there and he, he dealt with that. Uh, let's see what else he had here. Um, and then... Um, So so he had that. He was shipwrecked three times. You would not want to get on a boat with Paul. Something's about that. He's shipwrecked three times. Um, He almost starved to death. He froze, and he wasn't going through menopause. Um, He froze. Um, He was was in danger. Look at that. I was in danger everywhere I went. Now, keep in mind, before he started following Jesus, he went wherever he was. He was a Roman citizen. He was a Pharisee. He was very well learned. He was a tent maker, and he did those kind of things. So he was well known. Now he's even more well-known, but he's well-known for the things that people want to kill him and want to beat him up. Nobody beat up a tent maker, I saw, unless he made a bad tent. But this time, and he said, he he continues on again, you know, uh, with all the stuff. He said, I've been constantly on the move, constantly on the move. This is the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote, Two-thirds of the New Testament. And when we look at him, we say, oh, isn't that great, Paul? Isn't he great? He's just so awesome. This is the guy who went to Peter and said, hey, you're wrong. This is the guy who challenged everybody, and he was just so strong in his doctrine. And then Paul says this in, um, later on in First Corinthians, and he says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. That's the Apostle Paul. We were under great pressure. He was breaking down. Everything that was happening, he and all of his companions that were with him, were just—they were starting to break. That we despaired of life itself. Lord, just take me. I can't do it anymore. I don't want to go into town. I don't. I'm, I'm feeling. I. I'm just healing up from the last whooping I got. And I got to go back in again? Imagine that was going on. You imagine he said, man, I wish I had not gone to Damascus that day. He never said that. But he was just at a point that his trauma was hitting him and just weighing on him. The question is, though, what did he do about it? He talks about it. He writes about it. He's processing it. And I want to encourage you to find a safe place, a right place with the right people to process the pain of your trauma. It could be a small group, as I said, with trusted spiritual friends. It could be your pastor. It could be a counselor who is trained to help. And I want to say this. I always say this to Christians. To Christians. You don't need a Christian counselor, but you need a, a, a counselor who is a Christian, as a Christian, because... I don't want somebody who does not have a biblical worldview talking to me about how I get better. I need somebody who knows Jesus personally. And so that's just my own side note that I really believe that there's some great people who are Christians and they may not advertise as Christian counselor, but I think that if you have a Christian worldview, you should probably have, you need somebody with a Christian worldview. That's my only thing. But we, we don't heal when we ignore it is what I'm saying. And we have to acknowledge it and we have to process it. That's the first thing. The second thing is we have to prayerfully press into God in our trauma. What do we do? We have to take it to God. We have to cry out to God. We have to talk to God. We might even yell at God. We might even be angry and scream at God. He's he's big enough to handle it. In 2 Corinthians 12, this is what the apostle Paul says. I'm going to give you some context in this. We've just read from 11 where he's talking about, hey, all this stuff happened to me. Then he goes ahead and Paul talks about something called a thorn. Now, we don't know what this thorn is. Many scholars have tried to figure it out and talked about it. But it was something that was tormenting him. That's what he said. And the side note here is that everybody has a thorn. Everybody has a thorn. Say it with me. I got a thorn. Right on line, I have a thorn. Now, some of you right now have a, ba- a, a thorn. Some of you may be sitting next to your thorn. Don't elbow them. But um, it's not polite to do in church. You shouldn't elbow your thorn. All right. But s- seriously, though, a lot of us have a thorn something that just is constantly, constantly tormenting us, just tormenting and tormenting and tormenting. And the apostle Paul had this, and he talks about this thorn that was in his flesh. And look what he says here. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Stop. Who is, who's talking here? The Apostle Paul, if you know anything about him, he is the guy that walks into a place and is so committed to the Lord, he will challenge anybody. He will say whatever, and he does whatever, as long as it's for God. He was brave. He was strong. He, he just gave his whole life in service to God. He even got in, in an argument with Barnabas, and Barnabas was the one whose son of encouragement, that's his nickname, he's a good guy, and he got into an argument with him, and Barnabas was the one who brought him to the disciples in the first place. And he got in an argument with him, and then later said, yeah, I'm sorry about it. But he was that kind of guy. And at this point, he is pleading with God three times. And and if you look at the, the nature of how the language is, it's not like he went, God, please, God, please, God, please. No, it wasn't three quick prayers. It says it was seasons. It's basically seasons of just pleading. God, please remove this from me. That might have gone on for years three different times. It was something that just, he said, tormented him day in and day out all the time. And and so when you look at the thorn, the thorn had a physical dimension to it because it was a thorn in his flesh. It was something that was bothering him physically, we you know. And then, and, um, so it was in the flesh. It was a mental di- dimension because he said, he calls it a messenger of Satan to torment me. So the, the physical was affecting his mental deal to the point that he's stopping everything and pleading with God. And then it also has a spiritual dimension because three times he pleaded with God and the prayer is not answered. So he's dealing with trauma. But notice he does not ever blame God for it. Never blames God for it. He took his thorn to God and and prayed and pleaded and begged. In the same way that we need to take our thorns to God and take it to God and take it to him again and plead and beg and unload on him. And we say, God, I don't understand why this happened. Why did you let it happen? Because you could have stopped it. And you can tell him, hey, this happened to me. It's not my fault. I don't know what to do. God, I don't know how to heal. I just can't get to a place of healing. And you can totally and completely be honest with him. Don't hold back. You don't have to go feel like, oh, I got this thorn in my flesh. And say, oh, God. You know, go to him. Tell him he's God. Tell him he's awesome. But then tell him, this stinks, and I hate it. I'm just sparing of life myself because of this thorn. Keep giving it to him, because Scripture says, cast all your cares on him, because he cares for you. Take your burdens, your trauma, the the events that happened to you, anything that's weighed you down and has broken you, and give it all to him. But in the process, give him all your praise, give him all your thanksgiving, and give him all your hurt. Please take it away. Three times he pleaded with the Lord. And then in verses 9 and 10, he said, but this is what God said. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Now, for years I've read that and I thought, that is a lame answer, God. I'm hurt and I'm going through season and you say, I got you. You're good. I don't think God's just dismissing me. Like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Paul. You, get, you got this. I always read it that way because that's how I feel when I'm going through trauma and I don't get answers from God and I don't get healing that's there. But God says, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. And I, what, I, what I realized is we don't believe that God is sufficient until we realize we are insufficient. And, and many times we have to come to a place of realizing, I can't heal from this. And I got to realize you're sufficient. And God is saying, hey, whatever you have, my undeserved fav- favor and love for you is all that you need. It's abundant and it's awesome. So I know that thorn in the flesh is there, but I'm all you need. Turn to me. Look to me. Trust in me. Sometimes that that thorn is the thing we hate the most. God is saying, I know you hate that the most, but guess what? In the midst of that that you hate the most, in the midst of that trauma, when you bring it to me and you turn to me, you'll discover my power and presence and love in a way you never have ever thought of experiencing. And then Paul does something really odd for many of us. We have spent the whole entire chapter of 11, him talking about all the beatings he's had and all the times that people tried to kill him, all the stuff that's caused him trauma. Now he's talking about, hey, I have this thorn in my flesh that's tormenting me, body, uh, spirit, and, and emotionally, and physically, all kinds of ways, and Then he says, God gives him this answer. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And watch what Paul does here. He says, this is, he said, "Um, for when I'm weak, I'm strong. One more, here we go. He said, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. And this last section, for when I am weak, I am strong. He understood that even Paul, no matter how great he was, no matter what he did, that there was areas in his life he was too weak to deal with. But God was strong and could get him through it. Yes. And it didn't matter. That's all he needed. So he, he didn't plead with it a fourth time and a fifth time and a sixth time. He said, okay, I'm just going to trust in you. I'm just going to trust in you and move on. And then he gets to the point where he says, I delight in my weaknesses. Now, how many of you would like it if we went ahead and spent today and found all your weaknesses for this week and we said, up on the screen today, we're going to show your weaknesses? How many would like that? What do we usually do with our weaknesses? We hide them because it makes us vulnerable, right? That's why we uh, we do What about hardships that we go through? We often hide those too, don't we? We don't want people to know that. How are you? I'm great. I'm wonderful. Everything's wonderful. What about insults? When somebody insults you? I mean some of you may go hit somebody, I know that, but you know I mean but but others a lot of times we just like you know want, don't we don't want to be insulted like that or um or persecutions or difficulties. How many have something difficulty you know like I, I remember when my kids at times when they, they start to grow up and they can't do something, and you say you say, you need help no, I got it, I got it, you know, and they do something and you, and because they they want they want to feel like we're they're doing something, and there's something in us that we're dealing with trauma because of event or events or ongoing, and we feel like we can handle it. We got it. But we can't. We can't on our own. So Paul says, here's what I do. I take it to God. 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 And even if God doesn't take it away, His grace is sufficient for everything that I need. So I hope you understand this, though. Nothing can change your past. Nothing can change your past. But God can heal your broken heart. God can truly heal your broken heart. That's why in Psalm 34 18, the scripture may be meant for you, and I often use it as, at funerals, but it's, it's even better for living. If the Lord is near or close to the brokenhearted, He saves the crushed in spirit. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. If you're going through trauma, He's near. He wants to save your, your crushedness. The process of pain, we work through it with God and we work through it with trusted people by taking it to God and taking it to God and, and working through that. And I'm going to tell you the next thing, number three, going to make some of you mad because you're not ready for it. And the third one is this we pursue purpose in our trauma. I realize some of you are like, uh. Oh, You don't know what I've been through. I don't, but he does. And and I hesitate that because I know that some of you are hurting right now and have been hurting for years. And you're like, it's too soon for that. But I'm going to tell you, there will be, or let me say, in order for healing, there needs to be a point where you process it, you take it to God, and you pursue purpose in it. You make something like, like what Paul said. Paul had been beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, left for dead, whipped, out of prison, too many times to count. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians at the beginning of the section. He says, praise be to the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles So that we can comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves receive from God. And so when we go through something that brings trauma, we need to praise the God of all comfort in this. Why? Because he didn't cause it. God loves you and he would never cause it. But when it happens, we can press into him and what will he do? He will comfort us because he's compassionate. And loves us. And through that compassion, he will bring healing. And why does he bring healing so that we can find purpose in our pain? And what is the purpose that one day we will be able to comfort others who are going with that similar trial? When you look at the numbers of people who are abused sexually in our country, it is horrific. When you look at the number of, of veterans who have gone through PTSD and commit suicide, it is epidemic. And there are people who have gone through this, and by the power of Christ, and by by, uh, small groups, and by counselors, are healing through that process. And I'm sure they would love to take it back, but when they know Jesus as the God of all compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts them in every trouble, even when it's really low, and he makes a way and does the miraculous... They know that by sharing that at times, when they work through that, even they're working through it, they can recognize there's a way of healing through Jesus Christ. So we comfort others. And I want you to know I'm, I'm not just a pastor. I'm also a people. And I want you to know that I've been hurt too. I've been hurt a lot of times. A lot of my hurt in my life has come from spiritual abuse, from Christians, and my heart as your pastor is heavier when I, when I talk. this week, my ADHD was going all over the place and I had all the medicine and I was going all over the place. I'm like, why can I not country? And I said, cause I'm talking about trauma and I'm reliving my own trauma in my life. And, and because I know that there are many of you who are just not okay and that's okay, but don't stay there. You may be easily more frustrated or easily angered or easily critical or you're just isolated or dissatisfied. It's not you. Something's wrong. And and if you're not okay, it's okay to not be okay, but don't stay there. But if you also go through a list over the last several years of what has been done to disrupt what we call normal, There are so many people with indescribable pain, loss of loved ones, loss of fellowship, loss of freedom, loss of trust, loss of relationships, loss of jobs, loss of innocence, loss of caring about one another. People just have a hatred for people. We don't like each other anymore. So how do we love each other? And the key thought is, yes, through the Lord we can be healed. But I want you to know, I want you to know this, that you can also be way, way more stronger on the back side of it all. And that's what I'm trying to do cuz I've been hurt too, a lot, and I've had to recover from trauma and I'm still working on some and I have to process it. I have to pray with and press into God. I run the gamut of emotions and moods. I've had people stand with me. I pursue Jesus and pursue Jesus. And I'm not just healed, but in many ways I'm stronger. It's not me, but it's him who lives within me. And we know what the scripture says. Remember this verse? We know that in all things, even in our most painful, broken moments, the moment that took our lives and set it on a path that was broken and frustrated or some other area. In those moments, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are pursuing him, who are pressing into him, are called according to his purpose. We get to find purpose in the pain. So what's a pastor's job? I've heard it this way, and I really like the statement. You comfort the afflicted, and you afflict the comfortable. The pastor's job. I'm going to say that again, because that was better than your response. All right? You comfort the afflicted, and you afflict the comforted. Still not a good response, all right? But anyway. So now I'm going to push you a little bit, all right? And I want you to hear me. Your trauma may or may not have been your fault. But pursuing God for healing is your responsibility. Trauma happens in every life, but it's not a life sentence. Pursue healing with Jesus Christ. You got to do it. No victims in the body of Christ because Jesus has the victory. Take back what was stolen from you in Jesus' name. He promises, I will restore the years to the locust feet. We've been hurt, and we can heal, and we have a good God. We have a great God, so I want you to have hope. I hurt with you. I love you. I care for you more than you know. And I love you enough to push you a little bit towards Jesus because there's healing, there's hope, and you can be stronger than ever before. And um, as, we, as we come down here, um, Keith, could you come up? Um, for a bit? Um, we don't know in Psalm 27. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold on to that. Keith's going to share just real briefly. He offered to share something, and, um, and it's just powerful, Keith. Um, the, like some of you know, the very first time Keith came into the church, um, Becky had him come, and he came, and, um, and the, like the only time in the history of Haven I ever talked about money, and he left for a while. Um, <laughs> right? True story. And, um, and now he's one of my, my closest friends and just a, a gift to our church in so many ways. And, um, and Keith and I have got to know each other really well. And, he, and in planning this this week, he said to me, hey, if you want me to share, I, I'd be glad to do it. And I was going to give him a break because he had a lot of stuff going on. He said, no, I'm good. So I just wanted to share for a couple minutes here, um, and you can hear a lot more. And then um, I'm going to wrap up this, and we're going to worship God.
3: Go ahead, Keith. So, yeah, a lot of people have heard a little bit of my story and stuff. Uh, before, but in with Jack talking about trauma and, and everything else, I, I figured it'd be you know, decent of me to share. So, short story is, um, went through a lot in my life, deal with a lot of anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, got to a point where I let a lot of the negative thoughts and everything get to me, overwhelm me and stuff, to the point where I actually put a gun in my mouth. That was the worst day but the best day. Um, with all the weight and everything that I had, had felt at that period of time in my life, um, it was too much. just absolutely too much. I couldn't see a way out of it. Um, but I can tell you that day, there was a weight that was lifted. You could feel the hands of God on my shoulders saying, it's, it's not your time yet. You're not done yet. I, I've got more for you than what is happening right now. Um, and I could tell you at that point in my life, I was angry. I was so angry at God for everything that I had been going through and stuff. And, and now I think back on it, and, and I can't even tell you why I was so angry. It was just so, so much. Um, but, but, yeah, it, it got pretty dark. And if for those of you that do know me, and I was in the military and stuff, I was actually a weapons instructor. So I used to teach people how to use guns and stuff like that. So th- the miracle that, that, that comes out of it for me is when I put that gun in my mouth, I actually pulled the trigger and it didn't go off. I did everything right and it didn't go off. Thank God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> in that in that moment when that gun didn't go off, and I, I I felt that weight lifted and I and I heard that voice saying, You're not you're not done yet. I also heard my family come home. I cleared the gun and I looked at the bullet and the primer was struck. By all rights, it should have went off. It's only by God's grace that it did not.
0: Stories of times maybe similar to that. David had a story like that. Psalm 21, 27, we don't know what period of life David was in. I'm going to wrap up with this. But Psalm 27 speaks of a time of trouble when his enemies, his adversaries, false witnesses and violent men were wanting to kill him and attack him. And this happened several times in David's life, and we don't know what was really going on at this time. And he cries out to God. He begs for mercy. He begs for God not to hide his face from David. He begs not to be left or forsaken. And he shares how others would. And here's what he says. I would have lost heart unless. Some of us are losing heart, but don't stop there. Go to the unless unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So many of us are despairing and are lost of heart and we're at maybe points like Keith said he was at. And we're at that point. Unless you believe that this is not the end and not controlling your life, But that even in the event and even in the trauma you dealt with, that through going to God and giving it to him and pleading and seeking healing and all those other things, they said that one day you're going to see the goodness of God. And when you see the goodness of God, everything else fails in comparison. And I don't know about you, I would have never have met Keith and to see God use him and his family, him and Becky, in amazing ways. That's the goodness of God in the midst That was a dark place. And guess what? He's going to tell you if he had time to talk, it's not always, yay, I'm just seeing the goodness of God every day. It's dark times again. But don't despair of heart. You got to go to the unless. I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living here and now. Amen? And that's trauma. Let's come together and let's heal from it in Jesus' name. Let's stand and let's worship him um, this last time. As as a church today, um, we do have people that are around to pray with you, uh, and so if you want to pray in the front or in the back, we have that there because we know a lot of people don't want to come up front. That's fine, but um, but most importantly, if you're if you're actively dealing with with trauma, don't do it alone. We weren't made to to do things alone. We were made to be together. If you remember from the very creation, God created Adam, and what did he do? He said, hey, it's not good for him to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for me to be alone because we get there. Now you may fall asleep and then you got a rib problem and a woman, you know, who knows? But anyway, um, (laughs) some of you are saying, I'm not going to sleep ever again, but anyway. um, I love that God has a sense of humor. So I would have been struck years ago, right? But, um, but your, your trauma and what you're going through, I'm not minimizing. I know some people who have been, I know people on the stage who've been through stuff that is crushing. But they've seen the goodness of
1: God. Amen.
0: Don't stop. You got a thorn in your flesh messenger of Satan is tormenting you, but the goodness of God is better, and it's coming. So uh, let's just pray. God, um, first of all, I just want to pray over uh, your tithe and our offerings. God, uh, as I as I say all the time, if you're visiting with us, we don't expect you to give. We want you to just receive what God has for you. You're not here by mistake. You're here because the Lord wanted to talk to you today. You may be somebody going through trauma, or you may have bared it and don't even know. And then you're like, "Oh man, really?" So God's speaking to you right now, and so we just want you to receive, but God, for those who do give and who call this place their church, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon both the gifts and upon the giver and the tither, that God, you multiply them to further your kingdom, not ours, but yours, so that we can give you glory, not Haven Church, but we can give you all the praise, honor, and glory. For everyone else here today, God, we know this trauma is a, is a, a, a breaking life thing, But, God, you are a healing, Jesus, and by your stripes, by your wounds, we're healed. And so we ask for your healing to begin in this place as uh, as we experience who you are, as we press into you, as we acknowledge, hey, I went through this. And we get a little bit more vulnerable and we get a little bit more honest with ourselves and we realize I can't keep doing this or I'm going to end up in a really dark situation that I can't get out That maybe you're despairing of life itself, or maybe you're losing heart. But don't, because his grace is sufficient for everything that you need. His power is made strong in your weakness. And you don't have to lose heart because you're going to see the goodness of God. So God, move in this place. Do your thing. We're getting out of the way and letting your spirit move. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Before we sing this song, I wanted to mention that this song came at a time of trauma for Jack and I. We had lost our mother suddenly. And then our father shortly after was living with us and we had COVID and there was all kinds of things. It was a really traumatic time. And this song came out of a Bible study that I did. And it just popped up. Now we've sung this song in good times and in bad, but the truth is no matter what, God is good. Right, all the time. So sing with this with me today. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days i've been held in your hands from the moment that awake i wake up until i lay my head oh i will sing of the goodness of god So, so good. With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest night you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. And oh. all my so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God
1: Your goodness is running after it's running after me Your goodness is running after it's running after to me, with my, my life, life, laid life laid
4: down, i am surrendered surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after, after me. All my life, You have been faithful.
1: And all my life, You have been so oh
4: god with every breath that i am able oh i will sing of the goodness of god all my life you have been faithful
1: and all my life you have been so
4: that i am able oh i will sing of the goodness of god yes i'm gonna sing of the goodness of god
0: Man, God is so good, and, and please just just work through it. People are here, and um, we'll help you get whatever. Remember, right after church right now, I'm switching gears. Right after church right now, we're going to have Haven 101, so we'd love for you to stay, and you can find out why we're here and why God called us here. We'd love to have you. And then uh, next week, we're going to wrap up this series with burnout. So enjoy that while you're at work this week. God bless.